Our loving Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your blessings which you have given to us. We are grateful, Lord, that you have made, given us the privilege to be among the living today. We say, may your name be glorified in heaven and on earth. Lord in heaven, we come to you today and we ask that you would grant to us the gift of your spirit, that you may abide in us and we in you, that we may use our lives to your glory, that your will will be done in our lives. We pray, Lord, that today, as we go through our devotion, that the words we will read will be a blessing to us and that through it we shall be prepared for the day's duties. We pray, Lord, that you put words in our mouth to speak that will be a blessing to edify the hearers. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering our prayers. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Our High Calling, March 20 Give no place to temptation. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 26 God requires that we confess our sins and humble our hearts before him. But at the same time, we should have confidence in him as a tender father who will not forsake those who put their trust in him. We do not realize how many of us walk by sight and not by faith. We believe the things that are seen, but do not appreciate the precious promises given us in his word. And yet, we cannot dishonor God more decidedly by showing that we distrust what he says. Do not for a moment acknowledge Satan's temptations as being in harmony with your own mind. Turn from them as you would from the adversary himself. Satan's work is to discourage the soul. Christ's work is to inspire the heart with faith and hope. Satan seeks to unsettle our confidence. He tells us that our hopes are built upon false premises rather than upon the sure immutable word of him who cannot lie. When he, Satan, suggests doubts as to whether we are really the people whom God is leading, whom by tests and provings he is preparing to stand in the great day, be ready to meet his insinuations by presenting the clear evidence from the word of God that this is the remnant people who are keeping the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Let us trust fully, humbly, unselfishly in God. We are his little children, and thus he deals with us. When we draw near to him, he mercifully preserves us from the assaults of the enemy. Never will he betray one who trusts in him as a child trusts in its parents. He sees the humble, trusting souls drawing near to him, and in pity and love, 
he draws near to them and lifts up for them a standard against the enemy. Touch them not, he says, for they are mine. I have grieved them upon the palms of my hands. He teaches them to exercise unquestioning faith in his power to walk in their behalf. With assurance they say, This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. 1 John chapter 5 verse 4 Amen. title of our devotion is give no place to temptation and the, t- the text we have here the key text is a wonderful one it says in Proverbs 14 verse 26 in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence and his children shall have a place of refuge meaning that if there is anyone who fears God there's something that follows strong confidence and that is what we'll be looking at how this helps us to give no place to temptation when we have strong confidence in God. Do we have strong confidence? It's an index of the fear of the Lord. If we are not having strong confidence, then our fear or our love for God is questionable because this passage says in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence and his children shall have a place of refuge that is a promise and that means that anyone who fears the lord should believe that they have a place of refuge they should have a confidence that god will give them a place of refuge from sin that whenever temptations come their way they can have the victory While it is true that we need to humble ourselves before God and confess our sins, we need to transit. Two days ago, we had a devotion which I would recommend that we listen to. It was titled, Full Provision for Pardon. And we looked at faith and feeling and the promises of God in that devotion. We looked at how we are not supposed to just feel sorrow for our sins while it is in place to do that we should also trust the promises of god and rejoice in the provision that god has made for us to deliver us from our sins and to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness it is not a sign of faith or a sign that you are humble you are a humble child of god when you just keep being sorrowful all the time even after you have confessed your sin you continue to look gloomy or show that you are sad and remorseful because if indeed you have confessed your sin what does God take away he takes away your guilt he takes away your remorse so if after you have confessed you still feel remorse that means you have not exercised faith to believe that your sins are forgiven and if you have not exercised faith to believe your sins are forgiven it is most likely because you are believing Satan's lies In that devotion, we talked in detail about how Satan lies about the character of God, telling us that 
God will not accept us or something and then we because of that even after confessing your sins you still feel guilt you still feel remorse and all the while thinking that that's how you should feel running away from God but that's not how you should feel you're not exercising faith you're not living by faith we are told in the last part of this devotion a a passage is quoted here in 1 John 5 verse 4 this is the victory that overcometh the world even our faith so what does our faith do for us it helps us to have strong confidence in God confidence for what confidence that he will do whatever he says indeed like we read in the first paragraph of this devotion or rather paragraph 2 many of us do not realize how much we walk by sight and not by faith we believe the things that are seen but do not appreciate the precious promises given us in his word and yet we cannot dishonor god more decidedly by showing that we distrust what he says now one of the things god says is i will forgive if you confess your sins another thing he says is he that cometh to me i will in no wise cast out but then you come to God and you feel he's going to cast you out. You are afraid to confess. You feel that he's not going to forgive. What does that show about you? You are walking by sight and not by faith. These are promises that he has given, but yet you don't believe it. How do you feel if you are a parent? Or imagine yourself to be a parent if you are not one. When you tell your child something that you are going to do for them. And after telling them all the while they believe you are lying. They may not say it outwardly. But you see the way they carry themselves as if daddy doesn't mean what he says, mommy doesn't mean what he says. They are just joking with me. They, don't, they, they are not going to do what they said they would do. And all the while, looking gloomy and sad, even after you've promised them, they come to you and ask daddy, I want this or that that you said you would give me. And you tell them, okay, I've given it to you. When I'm coming back from work, I'll do. It, I'll give it to you. And then they look at you, they are still looking sad. What are they supposed to do when you say, I will give it to you? If the child trusts the parent, at that moment he says, I will give it to you. Even if the parent has not yet given it to them, what do they do? They rejoice. They are happy. And then they go around telling their brother or their sister, Daddy said he's going to give it to me. That when he has the money or when he comes back from work, he's going to buy this for me. And they're happy even if they've not yet seen the thing that their father said he's going to give to them because they trust their parents mother father whichever one and they believe that whatever they say they will do now you come to god and he tells you something he gives you his promise i have forgiven or i will strengthen you i will help you i will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness let us look at another promise here isaiah chapter 43 isaiah 43 i'll be reading from verse 1 it says but now thus says the lord that created the old you can put your name there. Oh, Sarah. Oh, Christian. Oh, Jude. Whoever you are. And he that formed thee. Oh, Daniel. Oh, Israel. And what is his message to you? God is. Take, take this personal. You come to meet God too. And he wants to talk to you. And he says to you, Fear not. For I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. And that's why I said you should put your name there. It's not just about Israel and Jacob now. You who are listening now. God is saying to you, I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, 
thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia, and Seba for thee. Since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee and people for thy life. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I'll stop there. Now, this this is just one example of something you should exercise faith on. And of course, remember that if you're exercising faith, you need to fulfill the conditions. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, we are told how we can be the children of God. Or I would say 2 Corinthians starting from verse chapter 6 rather, not chapter 7, chapter 6, starting from verse let me say from verse 16 and going to chapter 7, it says, And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, said the Lord and touch not the unclean thing and i will receive you and will be a father unto you and you shall be my sons and daughters saith the lord almighty so here is the condition god says here in verse 17 come out from among them be ye separate says the lord touch not the unclean thing and i will receive you then you will be my sons and daughters and i'll be your god so god is giving a premise here and saying that this is the basis for which you can claim that you are my child Come out from among them, be separate, touch not the unclean thing. Then you can safely believe and say, the Lord is my father. But here the devil comes, this is where the confidence comes in now. Do you have that confidence? That after you have fulfilled the condition, let's just say with the condition of if you confess your sins, that's what that's the condition. If you confess your sins, he will forgive and he will also receive you as his child. Because when you confess your sins, it shows that you are separating yourself like the text we just read now, be ye separate, touch not the unclean thing. Even if you have touched the unclean thing, the moment you confess your sins, it shows that you have begun again. At that moment, you are not touching the unclean thing. It says there, be ye separate, touch not the unclean thing. I will be a father unto you and you will be my sons and daughters. So moment by moment, we are to believe. Even if I have sinned against God now and I ask for forgiveness, I am to believe that right now as I pray, the Lord will forgive me my sins and I am his son, I am his daughter, he is my God. And I have a good premise for that and my premise is that he said he will do this if I do that. So I believe it. But here comes the devil. He comes to shake our confidence in God and tells us, are you believing that you are a child of God or you're a daughter of son or son of God because of this or that? It is not true. And he tries to argue with us to make us believe that our beliefs is not on a good basis. It's a false premise. As it is put here in devotion, in the devotion it says, Satan seeks to unsettle our confidence. He tells us that our hopes are built upon false promises rather than upon the sure immutable word of him who cannot lie. It is left for us to know whether our hopes are indeed on false premises and not on the word of God. Is our hope on the word of God? Check the word of God. That's how you know. What does it say? 
if you are fulfilling the condition and you know this is what the word of God says, then do not believe the lie of the devil that your hope is built on a false premise. What is my hope? My hope is that Christ has forgiven me my sins. My hope is that whenever I pass through the water, he will be with me. And through the fire, it will not burn me. I believe that because he has said it. And I believe that whenever there is temptation, he said he will raise a standard for me against the enemy. I believe these things. But the devil wants me to believe you are not a child of God. And one way he does that is by pointing to your past sins. You must be careful not to allow the devil to do that to you. Right now, if you have confessed and you know you are not living in that sin, and the devil is pointing you to your past, you should remember that the word of God has already said that he has forgiven you. So do not let the devil take you to the past. And how about when you sin against God? This is the most trying time when you sin. That is when he comes to tell you, you see what I told you? You cannot overcome. I thought you said that you had power. I thought you said the Lord was going to save you. I thought you said this. I thought you said that. I thought you believed this. And so many have given up on God because of that. The devil comes at such critical moments when we are down to bring his lies to us, telling us that we are not children of God. Yes, indeed, we have sinned. But the Lord has promised us in the book of Isaiah 1 verse 18, he says, Though your sins be as scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. So, does the Lord reject us because we have sinned? Is it not for sinners that Jesus said he came? He said that he came for sinners. So, he came for me. So, if the devil comes to meet you when you have sinned and is trying to hold you down with the cords of sin to blind your eyes so that you cannot see the Lord loving you at that moment because he wants to make you think that the Lord hates you at that time. At that time, remember that the Lord came to save sinners of which you and I are chief. He didn't come for the righteous. So, I have confidence. I do not want to remain in my sins, of course, but I have confidence that he wants to help me. He sees my problem. He identifies it. And I also have identified it because I see myself fallen. It is not a time to run away from God or to believe the lies of the devil telling me that the Lord does not love me or I'm I'm not his child because I sinned against him. No, that's not a time to believe that. You have to exercise faith in the word of God. It is not presumption because the word of God says, I will heal your backsliding. He says, come, return unto me and I will receive you. So what reason do you have to believe the devil? You have no reason. There are so many Bible passages in the word of God to show the love of God for those who have departed from him. So even when you have departed from God, exercise faith in his promises that he will receive you. And after that, the next thing is the temptations. You see, till we die, we'll continue to have peculiar temptations, besetting sins, not necessarily falling into the sin, but those things that we look at them and we are always tempted to fall into these things. You know yours. And in fact, to know yours is very important. It's a terrible thing when you don't even know what your besetting temptation is because you keep falling into it unknown to yourselves. For some, it is on the sexual side. For others, it is pride. For another, it is pleasure that comes from maybe something they eat. There are many besetting temptations we have. It is not for us to think or to pray that the Lord will take it away from us. What we are to be to believe is that when these temptations come, we should not own them and say, I want to do this. It is not you who wants to do it. It is the devil who is tempting you. You are tempted. You say, I am tempted, but not 
I want to do this. When you say I want to do this, that means you are owning the temptation. You are believing that it is you. That is the temptation harmonizes with your own mind. If the temptation harmonizes with your mind, then why do you feel guilt after you have sinned against God? Is it not because the mind and the action do not harmonize? They do not synchronize. They don't resonate with each other. That's why you feel guilt. Because the mind wants to do something else, but yet the the, the body has done another thing contrary to what the mind wants. That shows you that that temptation you fell into was not in harmony with your mind. But the devil makes you think that the temptation is in harmony with your mind and then you do it and sin against God. So one way to give no place to temptation is by not accepting for a moment. It says here, here in page 85, paragraph 3, it says, Do not for a moment acknowledge Satan's temptations as being in harmony with your own mind. Turn from them as you would from the adversary himself. How this is done is that when suggestions come to the mind, every suggestion, before they can be brought into reality, there will be plans made in the mind. So how do we know the ones that we say, okay, this is not in harmony with my mind and when we have sinned by making it in harmony with our mind. So somebody could come to tell me something. Don't you think we should plan to do this thing or the other, which is evil? If I start to plan with the person, first of all, he has told me what he wants to achieve. I want to do this or that. That is the act. When I then sit down with him and start to plan how to do that thing, I'm sinning against God. I have accepted that person's suggestion as being in harmony with my mind. Now look at it this way. In your mind, you don't see anybody talking to you, but the devil has the ability to bring suggestions and temptations to our mind. So when a suggestion comes to the mind, which is a temptation to do something wrong, because they come in the form of suggestions to the mind, you don't see anybody talking to you. But then when you accept that suggestion, and start to make plans on how to execute that suggestion, that is when you have accepted it as being in harmony with your mind. Even when you have not executed it, you have sinned against God by making plans to achieve something that is wrong, that is, in, that is not in harmony with the word of God. But then, the suggestion could still come and you reject it and you don't make any plan to execute it. That way, you have rejected it. You are not acknowledging that suggestion or that temptation as being in harmony with your mind. Some of us feel like we have sinned against God just because the suggestion came. You must understand that just as much as I can suggest evil things to you and you don't feel like you have sinned because it's not you who suggested it was me. So also with your mind. Suggestions could come to the mind. They do not originate from you. They come from the devil. When it becomes a sin, that you can say, ah, I sinned, is when you start to make plans to execute that suggestion. But when these suggestions come to the mind and you are not making plans to execute them, they are bad in your mind, you reject them, do not feel like you have sinned because Satan has the ability to suggest thoughts to the mind that even annoy you. But if they are not annoying you and you are accepting them and planning to execute them, then you and Satan have harmonized and you have sinned. But when you reject them, even though they keep coming by the second, many bad suggestions and you are rejecting all of them, you have not sinned against God. So in real time, what does that mean? So I'm here and my body starts to feel like doing something that it should not do or my I'm getting suggestions in my mind telling me to do something which I know is contrary to the word of God. I am to understand that this temptation is not 
in harmony with my mind. I don't want to do this. I am tempted to do it. doesn't mean I want to do it. Temptation, of course, is, has its effect because there is something, there is a desire in us. But you must understand that your mind also is going to feel guilt. You must understand that this temptation is not me. It is the devil who is bringing it. Do not own the temptation. Give no place to the devil. Reject the temptation as not harmonizing with you. And that is the first step to not falling into that temptation in the first place. And then God promises that when we call upon him, he will lift up a standard for us against the enemy. He will deliver us. So we should have that confidence in God that when temptations come, he will do what he says. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, reading from verse 13, I believe it says there that they had no temptation overcome you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not permit you or allow you to be tempted above that which you are able but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. Do you have confidence in God that he will do that for you? That in the hour of temptation the Lord will make a way of escape so that you are able to bear it. We should have confidence because the word of God has said so. Believe it then. Do not own the temptation, but believe that the Lord will provide a way of escape or will give you strength so that you can resist that temptation. Believe that you are the child of God. Do not entertain the thought of the devil that even while you are doing your best, keeping the commandments of God, he will tell you, look, it is not all these things you are doing that makes you the child of God. But what does the word of God say? Of course, it talks about the children of God are those that keep his commandments. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. He says, you are my friend if you do what I say. John 15, 14 and John 14, 15. These are things the Lord himself says. So I have reason to believe that. But the devil wants to make you think that all those things mean nothing. All those are false premises. Let us not believe what the devil says. We are Jesus' little children. We are his friend like he has called us. We are his brethren also. We are his servants also. Whichever relationship you want to ally yourself with God in, it's okay. As a child, as a servant, as a friend, as a brother, he calls us all these things. He says when we draw near to him, he mercifully preserves us from the assaults of the enemy. Never will he betray one who trusts in him as a child trusts in his parents. He sees the humble trusting souls drawing near to him and in pity and love he draws near to them and lifts up for them a standard against the enemy. Touch them not, he says, for they are mine. It is for us to have faith and believe these things because we have read in 1 John 5 verse 4, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. If we do not have faith in these promises, Satan will assail us with his temptations and we will keep falling again and again. Let us have faith in God's promises as a way to overcome temptations. May God give us grace to do that. Amen. The reading says that we should not acknowledge for one moment that Satan's temptations are in harmony with our minds. In other words, when we are tempted, we think, oh, this just suits. Maybe it's because that's the way my mind is. That's why this temptation just comes and they, they fit, they blend. But James is saying in first in James chapter 1 verse 14 it says 
But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Lust and enticed. Then when lust had conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Now I read from Mind, Character, and Personality, page 18. It says, Satan is a student of the mind. For thousands of years, Satan has been experimenting upon the properties of the human mind. And he has learned to know it well. By his subtle walkings in these last days, he is linking the human mind with his own, imbuing it with his thoughts. And he is doing this work in so deceptive a manner that those who accept his guidance know not that they are being led by him at his will. The great deceiver hopes so to confuse the minds of men and women that none but his voice will be heard. He comes in disguise. Satan's plans and devices are soliciting us on every hand. We should ever remember that he comes to us in disguise, covering his motives and the character of his temptations. He comes in garments of light, clad apparently in pure angel robes, that we may not discern that it is he, we need not use great caution. We need to use great caution to closely investigate his devices, lest we be deceived. From the text, we see that Satan's studied effort is to undermine our confidence in God, to unsettle our faith. He says, when he, Satan, suggests doubts as to whether we are really the people whom God is leading, whom by thirsts and provings he is preparing to stand in the great day, be ready to meet his insinuations by presenting the clear evidence from the word of God that this is the remnant people who are keeping the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So be ready to present clear evidence. So, but unfortunately, brethren, our memory seems to fail us. We easily forget the way he had led us. Bad memories, forgetfulness. I read Christ's Object Lessons 358, the fourth paragraph. It says, Many think it is a sufficient excuse for the grossest errors to plead forgetfulness, but they do not, as well as others, possess but do they not as well as others possess intellectual faculties then they should discipline their minds to be retentive it is a sin to forget a sin to be negligent if you form a habit of negligence you may neglect your own soul's salvation and at last find that you are unready for the kingdom of god See all God did to bring Israel out of Egypt. And I have led you forty years in the wilderness. Your clothes are not waxen old upon you, and thy shoe is not waxen old upon thy foot. Ye have not eaten bread, neither have ye drunk wine or strong drink, that ye might know that I am the Lord your God. Just a little delay. 
then we forget his promises we grab the steering and then we begin to take over the driving from him and we that's how we put God out of the system Christians are not to be slaves of passion they are to be controlled by the Spirit of God but many become the sport of the enemy because when temptation come they do not resist in Christ's name but worry themselves out of his arm and in perplexity lose all their faith and courage friends you've been told to give no place to temptation they do not remember that Jesus has helped them out of difficulties in the past that his grace is sufficient for the daily trials and that he can help in the present trouble we make failures in our little daily difficulties and allow them to irritate and vex us we fall under them and so make stumbling blocks for ourselves and others Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 2 it says and thou shall remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee to prove thee to know what is in thine heart whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or not let us not dishonor our father in reviewing our past histories having traveled over every step of advance to our present standing i can say praise god as i see what god has wrought i am filled with astonishment and with confidence in christ as leader we have nothing to fear for the future except as we shall forget the way the lord has led us and his teachings in our past history we are now a strong people if we will put our trust in the lord for we are handling the mighty truths of the word of god we have everything to be thankful for if we walk in the light as it shines upon us from the living oracles of god we shall have large responsibilities corresponding to the great light given us of god we have many duties to perform because we have been made the depositories of sacred truth to be given to the world in all its beauty and glory we are debtors to god to use every advantage he has entrusted to us to beautify the truth by holiness of character and to send the messages of warning and of comfort of hope and love to those who are in the darkness of error and sin god is not pleased to have his people hanging dark painful pictures in memory's hall he will have every soul plucking the roses and the lilies and the pinks hanging memories hall with the precious promises of god blooming all over the garden of god he will have us dwelling upon them our senses sharp and clear taking them in their full riches thick talking of the joy that is set before us he will have us living in the world yet not of it our affections taking hold of eternal things manuscripts releases 24 1888 say he will have us talking of the things which he has prepared for those that love him this will attract our minds awaken our hopes 
and expectations and strengthen our souls to endure the conflicts and the trials of this life. As we dwell on these scenes, the Lord will encourage our faith and confidence. He will draw aside the veil and give us glimpses of the saints' inheritance. Our high calling again, the first paragraph is saying, The fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. Do not for a moment acknowledge Satan's temptation as being in harmony with your own mind. Satan has an insidious snare prepared for them and they themselves become sports of fool. Our great adversary has agents that are constantly hunting for an opportunity to destroy souls. As a lion hunts his prey, shun them, young man. For while they appear to be your friends, they will slyly introduce evil ways and practices. They flatter you with their lips and offer to help and guide you but their steps take hold on hell. If you listen to their counsel, it may be the turning point in your life. One safeguard removed from you. This is from the fifth testimony, 397. Be ready to meet his insinuations by presenting the clear evidence from the word of God that this is the remnant who are keeping the commandment of God and the faith of Jesus. Paul puts it in words, saying his desire for the Colossian believers, how high the ideal that these words hold before the follower of Christ, they show the wonderful possibilities of the Christian life and make it plain that there is no limit to the blessings that the children of God may receive. Constantly increasing in the knowledge of God, they may go on from strength to strength, from height to height, in Christian experience until by his glorious power they are made meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Let us trust fully, humbly, unselfishly in God. When we draw near to him, he mercifully preserves us from the assaults of the enemy. Never will he betray one who trust in him as a child trusts in his parents. He sees the humble trusting souls drawing near to him and in pity and love he draws near to them and lifts up for them a standard against the enemy. Touch them not, he says, for they are mine. I have graven them upon the palms of my hand. He teaches them to exercise on questioning faith in the power in his power to walk in their belief, in, in their behalf. With assurance, they say, this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. As the song says, faith is the victory. Faith is the victory, glorious victory that overcome the world. I pray that we take opportunity, take advantage of the promises that God has given us so that we cling on to them and give no place to the doubts and insinuations of Satan. Amen. From the book, The Faith I Live By, page 58, paragraph 5 and 6, I'll read. It says, It is not that God sent out a decree 
that man shall not be saved. He does not throw a darkness before the eyes which cannot be penetrated. But man at first resists the motion of the Spirit of God, and having once resisted, it is less difficult to do so the second time, less the third, and far less the fourth. Then comes the harvest to be reaped from the seed of unbelief and resistance. Oh, what a harvest of sinful indulgences is preparing for the sickle. On the other hand, every ray of light cherished will yield a harvest of light. Temptation once resisted will give power to more firmly resist the second time. Every new victory gained over self will smooth the way for a higher and nobler triumphs. Every victory is a seed sown to eternal life. So God destroys no one. The sinner destroys himself by his own impenitence. From yet to we see the reason why we should not give way for temptation. It makes it clear here. Just as one forever res- uh be un- be, uh, forever disbelieves God or forever says no to God because of his constant resistance to the Spirit of God. Same thing, our victory is assured by our constant resistance to temptation. We see here that the, when, we, when we resist temptation the first time, it gives us strength to resist the second and also the third and also the fourth. So we see the reason why it's dangerous to give heed to temptation at first place because it, it makes it more difficult for God to speak through the heart of man. So certainly our prayer is that we should ask for God's strength that we may always resist temptation. Remember here it says every victory is a seed sown to eternal life. So it's it's God's will that we should always resist. We should not give place for temptation as what has been discussed thus far. Our thoughts are not God's ways. The Bible says in Isaiah 55 verse 8 starting from verse 7 rather that let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Amen. We can, we can see here clearly. We need not trust in our own ways. Our own ways are not God's ways. And if we want to follow God's ways, we need to make sure at all times we are yielding to Him. And in reality, the only way to to be conversant, to be aware of God's way, to know God's will, is to always study and watch. It's always study and pray. When we study God's word, He reveals His way to us. But the Bible says, search ye the scriptures, and think ye in them ye have eternal life. Christ said the scriptures are what testifies of him. So if we want to know God, then we have to look into his word to know more of him.
of course for, for, from history from everything we know that what we believe is not a fable there are so much evidences today from god's word that affirms and that the world also affirms so with that we know indeed what we are practicing is not a fable it's a truth it's a reality so when we hear christ will come soon indeed he will come we know not when as he has said himself no man knoweth the day nor the hour when the son of man will come but he has assured us with so much promises that indeed he will come and that assurance we've understood also that he is not coming to 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 cleanse us from our defect to turn us from unholiness into holiness no he's coming to change this corruptible to incorruptible that 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 is why the book of first john 4 17 it says hearing is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is so are we in this world so we see here that when christ comes the only way we can be just before him is as he was in this world or as he is rather so are we in this world so if christ when he was in this world he hated sin he hated adultery he hated fornication he hated every kind of sin frivolity trivial things if he hated such things then we also are to hate it and that's and when we do that that is our assurance that is our boldness in the day of judgment because the same bible says in first john 3 verse 3 that every man that has this hope purifies himself even as christ is pure so the reason for this devotion today is to to make us understand that we should not give heed to temptation because the moment we do so it makes us weaker and it's it slims our chances of ever pleasing god of ever perfecting christian character because the sole purpose why we are here in this probationary time is to perfect christian character is to cleanse ourselves from all filthiness and god is willing to do so but he wants us to give him our all he wants us to drop our own mind our own ideas and stick to his word and he knows it is difficult to overcome he knows but he has given his promises that he will give us strength where where our weakness is he will supply his strength so that we can be able to glorify his name so i pray god helps us to be willing to submit ourselves to him so he will perfect his work in us let us pray our father and our god we thank you for the gift of life we thank you for the opportunity again to make things right with you. We thank you for your word that you've given us today. We see temptations on every side. The world is full of evil. Things drawing and trying to annoy even the very best of men. We pray that you help us, that you guide us. Lead us not, O Lord, into temptation. And may we not wander into any of them. May we be quick to discern the plans and the subtlety of the enemy to draw us away from thee from thy protection help us O lord to be strong in you and to stand firm unmovable that we may prove that calling and the election that you've you've called us to that we may make sure the promises of thy calling this is our prayer to christ our lord 
Amen.